Mike Rags and Todd Burlich with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk. It's the Blue Gold Report. All right, we're back again for another edition of the Blue Gold Report. I'm Mike Rags. Going to bring in Todd Burlidge here in a bit. And as always, wherever you found us via podcast, make sure you rate and review us and share us with all your friends. Or if you're listening on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM, good Saturday morning. Ah, oh, we got a lot to get to as we inch closer and closer to opening day. I cannot believe it. They did NFL preseason uh, yesterday as we record this on Fridays, and it just means we're starting practice here for Notre Dame football, college football kickoff. Uh, I believe is August twenty fourth in Hawaii. Uh, Todd, uh, not us, not not Notre Dame, but college football is basically here, my friend. Yeah, I was actually when well, watching the news this morning. I saw an NFL preseason highlight. So uh, to be honest with you, that one snuck up on me, Rags. I didn't realize they kicked that off last night, but that is obviously the first right of fall, shall we say? No doubt about it. I actually saw a little Golden Tate, and hopefully he gets to play. Do we learn anything about Golden Tate yet? Whether or not he's going to get to play the first four games? I know he was, uh, you know, he did the he took that supplement because he was trying to get pregnant, all this stuff. And last I heard, he was going to be suspended. Is is it upheld? Do you know? I don't know at this point. I did see something online though that he is one heck of a ping pong player. Rags. That's all, <laughs> that's all I got for you. <laughs> Well, uh, okay, that is uh, that, that's that's one thing I didn't know either. Uh, yeah, he's supposed to get four games for a fertility drug he took, but we'll see what happens. All right, Todd, I digress. Uh, that was a little question mark nugget I had. You have real nuggets. What do you got for us? Start with a little sad news, Rags. It's a four-pack this week. Uh, Mike Bennett, longtime photographer for Notre Dame Athletics, and really all things Notre Dame. You can't really just pigeonhole him into athletics. He passed away of cancer. Uh, this past week, he was 69 years old. Fell just short of working 40 years for Notre Dame. Covered a lot of events. You saw him everywhere. Mike Bennett, nicest guy in the world, would always help out if you needed a photo or something from his archive. He would give it to you graciously. Um, so, uh, from South Bend, actually worked as an usher at the stadium when he was 16 years old. Always knew he wanted to be a photographer. Ended up uh, freelancing for Notre Dame, and that's how he got his foot in the door. Took some really nice pictures, so they hired him. He worked his first football game in 1982, and he will be sorely missed. Uh, There's been a lot of somber attitudes around campus, around the SID office this week. Uh, Moving on to women's basketball, this was kind of an interesting one. Niall Ivey, terrific Irish player back in the day, and she's been an Irish assistant coach under Muffet McGraw for the last 12 years. She's been hired by the Memphis Grizzlies as an assistant coach of the NBA. Um, It's not unheard of. I guess I was surprised. She's the ninth woman to be hired uh, to the NBA in an assistant role. I suppose the one that's best well-known would be Becky Harmon. I'm sorry, Harmon. She works for Greg Popovich as San Antonio Spurs. She's been there for, this will be her sixth season coming up. And she's also, Becky Harmon is also the, uh, she coaches. She's the head coach of the summer league team there, so it's not unheard of. But good for Miss Ivy. She's a wonderful lady, and it's a great opportunity for her. Notre Dame. The coaches' poll is out. Notre Dame comes in number nine. It's actually it actually ties Brian Kelly's best preseason coaches' poll ranking since he's been here in ten years. Of course, Clemson one, Alabama two. That goes without saying. Uh, the ranked opponents here for Notre Dame. Georgia is three. Michigan slots two spots higher than Notre Dame at number seven, and Stanford number 23. 
All three of those are road games, and we're going to talk about the schedule a little bit later in the show. Um, so also receiving votes as far as Notre Dame's schedule are, 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 is concerned, Virginia Tech, USC, Virginia, Duke, and Boston College. Um, for what it's worth, Notre Dame is number nine. They're sandwiched in between Florida at eight and Texas at ten. Last one here, last nugget, quick hoops, men's hoops. Uh, after kind of pedestrian stints uh, with the Knicks, Chicago Bulls, Orlando Magic, Jaron Grant is going to take his talents and play in China. He just signed a contract this week. Grant appeared in 60 games last season for the Orlando Magic, averaged 15.7 minutes a game, unfortunately not points per game. Really didn't, you know, didn't really prove to be a, an outstanding backup two guard. Uh, never really happened for him. So. He's going to go to China, make his money there, and probably have a long career there. Those are your blue gold nuggets. Interesting stuff, and I saw a lot of uh, warm wishes for the Michael Bennett passing on Twitter and the such. Uh, it was a sad loss. Uh, you could tell he was uh, involved with a lot of people there, Todd. Um, and, and it's uh, you know it's just bittersweet because you, you know you know you know how important he was to all those people, right? Yeah, his work will live for a long time. That's sort of the beauty of photography work, you know, Rags? Yeah, I know. Um, and, and he certainly has a massive catalog of wonderful pictures. Yeah, really good guy. Happened kind of fast, I guess. Uh, what, what, the, uh, what the release said was he lost a short battle with cancer. So unfortunate, as you said, Rags. All right, as camp gets underway, uh, you know, we kind of wanted to do some camp nuggets, so a little extra nuggets, just some quick hits about some uh, stuff that uh, – that we talked about injuries, you know, things, notes of that nature. And I know there's a player in the doghouse too. So basically some general observations and, and some extra camp nuggets, I guess we'll call it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, there's so much out there, Rags. It was a little bit hard to organize now that camp is open and, and we're actually getting quite a bit of access to, to watch the practices and whatnot. Uh, so we'll start with the injuries because a big one hit here very recently. Cole Komet, the wonderful tight end at Notre Dame, he broke his collarbone. Um, now, what I'm seeing is three to six weeks on that one as far as recovery. That should get him back for the Georgia game. That's the biggie. I think that's what all the timelines were looking at. And certainly Notre Dame can survive against Louisville and then a bye and then New Mexico. But certainly when they have to go to Athens to play Georgia, you're going to be you're going to want to be all hands on deck. So we'll be tracking that one, keeping an eye on that one. Uh, running back Jameer Smith. Still practicing full speed, but he broke his hand. Um, it's not doesn't seem to be slowing him up as much. But certainly, when you're talking about ball security, you don't like a running back with a broken hand. But he still looks pretty good out there, so it's not the end of the world. But certainly worth worth noting. Quinn Carroll, uh, he is an incoming freshman lineman. He is lost for the year with a knee injury. Now, granted, chances are well, we know he was going to redshirt anyways, Rex. But you know, when you have that new rule. Uh, four, you can play four games and still get your red shirt. I know coaches like to get these guys in, get them a little game experience, so he will miss out on that. But certainly when you're talking about a freshman lineman, uh, it's not the end of the world as long as he recovers well from that. Uh, Aaron Banks, starting guard, offensive guard for Notre Dame. He is recovering well from his foot surgery, very well as a matter of fact, out there moving around, taking all the reps. No ill effects there. And Rex, when you're talking about a guy that weighs about 350 pounds, and a foot injury, foot surgery, there's some worry there. Absolutely. Put a lot of weight and a lot of pounding on that foot. So all systems seem to be go there for him. Chase Claypool, the talented wide receiver, he had kind of a microsurgery on his ankle, had an eye an- a high ankle sprain, and they, they decided to go in there and kind of fix that up a little bit, clean it out. He's playing. He's, he's out, fully cleared. 
doing his thing. Brian Kelly did say he's going to try to take it a little bit easy on him through these early stages of camp, but he's out there doing his thing. So I guess as far as injuries, I think that pretty well covers it. Brian Kelly was asked about his captains. Rags, I would expect that to happen probably this weekend. Um, He said once they return to campus, and that first practice will be today, Saturday, um, as far as those guys getting back to campus from Culver, I would almost expect him to announce those captains after practice today. We'll have to wait and see. Originally he said he was going to shrink it down. A couple years ago he had like six or seven captains. Now he said the leadership is just flying off the charts here, so he's not exactly sure how this is going to go, how many captains he's going to take. So we'll keep an eye on that one. You mentioned doghouse. Sophomore wide receiver Kevin Austin, he is in the doghouse. So much so he's uh, they're, they're actually playing him some at cornerback in practice, and also he's working with the scout team as well. So he is off the radar for the moment. Brian Kelly was asked about him, and he certainly is as coy as you expect him to be. He said, well, he's still on the team. <laughs> that's, that's about what you got, Rags. It, you know what it feels like, bud? It feels like the situation with Dexter Williams last season and then Kevin Stefferson the season before with the four-game suspensions to start the year. So Kevin Austin is going to have to play his way up a depth chart with a lot of talented wide receivers, so we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Isn't it amazing? Isn't amazing how we never it, nobody ever pushes the subject? We never get answers as to we never get to the bottom of any of these things. The, the names you mentioned, we never really knew what the hell was going on. Yeah, I guess they since they don't have to give that information, they're not going to. Rags, I omitted one that I want to get in here. You know, obviously the punter and the kicker when you've when you've lost Newsom and Yoon, two of the best ever at Notre Dame. Um, we're really watching this place kicking situation, and Jonathan Dorr, he's kind of the man. It's kind of his job to lose, but they wanted to. They brought in a guy by the name of Harrison Leonard. He's a walk on, uh, preferred walk on, but they really like what they're getting out of him. Well, in practice yesterday, uh, Dorr went four of seven, was obviously a little bit inconsistent. Harrison Leonard came in and kicked five of five and looked terrific in field goals. So that's going to be one to watch. That's going to be a heck of a battle that's probably going to go deep into camp as well. Terrible pun, but huge shoes to fill there with both yeah, kicks. Exactly. There's no uh, doubt about that. And you know, with Kevin Austin, too, you, you got, you'd think you'd get a lot of reps with Claypool kind of recovering, too. It's kind of like. You kind of wish you didn't have these things, but you know you can't always uh, uh, recruit exemplary people, uh, Todd. I tell that to my friends all the time. <laughs> right, <laughs> and you do a lot of hiring there. <laughs> well, one of the things, exactly uh, one of the things that uh, I've, I've I haven't been on campus to watch the the camp, and I know you got some observations too. But the weather has been fantastic for these guys uh, for sure. I mean, it hasn't. We haven't gotten you know two weeks ago we had those ninety degree right. uh, unbearable days, but for the most part, been dry and it's been almost humid free. Yeah, it's been pretty nice. It was a little toasty on third, or I'm sorry, on Sunday that opening day. It got a little toasty. You could see it on the guys, but uh, they all look in great shape. They're moving around just fine. And indeed, in all, you know, that's always the funny thing about football rags to me is when you start up in fall camp and whatnot. You know, you worry about heat stroke and everything else, and then by the time the season's over, you're worried about frostbite. That is kind of ironic, isn't it? I mean, um, but again, I'm sure conditioning is the uh, is the name of the game here. Uh, just like every other year, I'm sure that name that that uh, word has been thrown around constantly. 
Oh, for sure, for sure. But yeah, if there's one guy that's been jumping around there, not having any impact with the weather, and, and you you have to lead really your camp observations with him, it's freshman safety Kyle Hamilton. This guy's been unbelievable. He's the five star kid um, that that everybody was expecting big and immediate things from. Boy, he's delivered in a big hurry. He intercepted three passes on opening day practice Sunday. Uh, two of them in seven seven on seven drills, and one on uh, one, the other one in one on one drills. And then he came back and he had another pick yesterday. Um, so this guy is doing a great job. Six foot four, two hundred ten pounds. He's a lanky kid and a well put together kid. What well, he's going to find his way into this? He's going to find his way into some playing time. Obviously, they're loaded up with Jalen Elliott and Alohi Gilman at safety, but. I don't think you're going to be able to keep Kyle Hamilton off the field. They're, they're going to have to find a way to get him on there. Um, he's been working with the twos at this point. So, again, he's not going to really have a chance to dethrone those two fine safeties that Notre Dame has. Uh, but he's a heck of a player, Rags. He's going to be here for a long time, and he's going to make a lot of noise. Uh, and I do. can you give us a comparison? I mean, who does he look like out there? Is there another player from the past that maybe would make sense? Uh, you know, he's another Allah whom? You know what, I think, I honestly think Harrison Smith, when you asked that question, and obviously I wasn't quite ready for that, just the way he's built and the way he moves, he's got, those long legs, I think, are what jumps at, out at you. Or maybe a David Bruton a little bit, too, from back in the day. Those would be the two guys that come immediately to mind. Just the way he runs, you know, he has those long strides and just great football instincts. This guy was advertised, I believe he was the number 15 player in the country, depending on where you looked and the number one safety in the country. And he looks to be probably every bit as good as advertised and perhaps even better than advertised. And when you're ranked as the number one safety, that's hard to do. That's exciting, uh, no doubt about it. I guess, and I'm looking at your notes here about uh, a lot of what you want to talk is on defense and the observations. Right. We're going to get to Ian Book, but they're you know the most intriguing part of this team is their defense. I, I don't want to say intriguing. Maybe the best part of this team is their defense, and and you got a chance to look at some of the backfield on the defense too. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess, we, but we can't really do a show, Rags, without talking about the linebacker true, situation. Because when you're looking up, up front, they're phenomenal. I mean, Julian Aquara, he's, he's just been unstoppable. This guy off the edge is just going to be a maniac. And Notre Dame has a couple pretty good offensive linemen, offensive tackles, and Robert Hainsey and Liam Eichenberg. They're having a heck of a time with him, man. They are having a heck of a time. It's been kind of fun to watch, to be honest with you. Um, so Notre Dame solid up front. We already talked about the back end. There's one, you know, there's still that number two cornerback slot right there. At this point, Dante Vaughn, the seniors working there, opposite of Troy Pride Jr. with the ones. That's going to be kind of a move, uh, moving parts back there. Sean Crawford looks good after his uh, his, his knee surgery, so he m- might figure into the starting spot at safety, perhaps even a, a, as a nickelback type of guy a little bit fluid back there but just at that number two cornerback spot but boy it's the linebackers you have to watch and talk about rags because i don't think the coaches still really know what they're looking for day one the first lineup to come out with the ones was asmar Bilal. um he came out at mike uh jack lamb came out at the buck and jeremiah owusu karamoa he was the rover Bilal, every time you look at sort of a rotation rags, he's involved in it. He's a fifth-year senior. He has the experience. I think he's got a position locked down. I think what jumped out at me on day one was the job Karamoa did at that rover spot. 
you may or may not know this, but when Notre Dame brought Karamoa here, it was the first player that they actually recruited specifically to this rover position. And for folks that aren't real familiar with what the rover is, kind of plays on the outside. You're responsible to seal the edge. You might be responsible for some pass coverage. Um, obviously, you have to be a run stopper as well because it is considered kind of a linebacker position. It's an all-purpose position. It's an important position, and they love what they're getting out of Caramel at this point. Now, working behind Bilal and Jack Lamb inside at the two inside linebackers spots were Bo Bauer, a couple sophomores, Bo Bauer and Shane Simon. Uh, they rep with the one some, but so did Drew White. He's a junior, Jordan Jemark Heath, uh, another junior and South Bar, uh, local sophomore, Paul Mayola. Those guys all worked with the ones as well, Rags. And then, so you thought you had a little bit of something going on where you could kind of, kind of figure it out. Well, then yesterday in practice, they shuffled it all around again. You have about 10 guys that are running in, in, uh, for these basically two linebacker spots. I guess you, you could throw the rover in there as well, but you have about 10 guys battling for these spots, Rags. The coaches have a lot to sort through, and we're going to have to keep an eye on it because while Notre Dame is really steady up front and behind on this defense, all the question marks fall on these linebackers. And it's a weird situation for Notre Dame because we're not used to being in the spot of, hey, where's our linebackers play coming from? You know, back 10 years ago, we were tight end university. Now it feels like we've become linebacker university. Who's going to step up and, you know, Teow and and, and likes and love and everybody. Sure, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Yeah, just goes goes on and on. Yeah. So, uh, and that's what makes you wonder can we fill that void uh, so easily? Probably not. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Certainly, a lot of talent, a lot of you know, a lot of top recruits here. But you're right. For the longest time, you've always had at least one, and usually two guys that provided some experience and steadiness. And while Bilal has played quite a bit, you know, it's been kind of spot minutes for him. He hasn't been there really from start to finish, like a Drew Tranquil or a Tavon Coney, who really held that middle down two years in a row. Um, although Tranquil floated around a little bit, but certainly last year, I guess, is probably the best example there. Um, but again, Caramo stood out. He actually picked off an Ian Book pass and did a great job stealing the edge against the run. Now, granted, yesterday was the first day in pads, so what I'm referring to uh, was, was no pads, and I, there's obviously a huge difference. But Notre Dame, Brian Kelly's been raving about the work that Caramo has been doing, and it's easy to see why. But, of course, all the fans want us to be a QB university, and we haven't really – I don't know if we've ever been one since Theismann in Montana, but uh, we've got a situation here with Ian Book, uh, who seems to be steady, ready to go. And I know uh, you, we are expecting kind of great things. I, I don't know what to expect. We thought we were going to get greatness. We got slapped in the face at the end of the year last year. Where are we looking camp this year? Well – it's going to be interesting, and I'm, we'll get a chance to catch up with Brian Kelly tomorrow, or I'm sorry, today, later today, Saturday, after practice. And we haven't had a chance since day one to really pin him down. And I want to know if through this first week, one of the challenges put towards Book by the coaching staff was to take more chances, throw the ball downfield, try to thread the needle a little bit more. That's what the coaches want from him. I want to ask and see if, if Book is actually showing that, if, if he's living up to that challenge. So we'll wait and see on that one. The one thing that Coach Kelly raves about is just the way Book carries himself. And you have to remember, Rags, and we've talked about it at length, I think this is the first time that Brian Kelly truly knows exactly who his starting quarterback is going to be heading into a season. He even, even admitted that himself um, after practice last Sunday. And so that's given Book sort of a confidence as well. You know, he's been put in charge of one of these workout teams. They're called SWAT teams. 
I'd say there's a really good chance he's going to be one of the team captains. And I think that the coaches putting that leadership on him has kind of changed his demeanor. So here's Coach Kelly actually talking about just the difference between Ian Book last year and this year. Uh, I just think continue to uh, you know work on his own craft. I think he knows the the little things that he can be better at. Um, you know we've addressed him internally about those things, but uh, I think he's already begun, uh, and that is to make others around him better players. And you know he's he's uh, I think uh, w- what we've seen is a leader, and we put him in leadership position. He's just doing such a great job leading. His presence uh, is is one where. When, when he asks some people to do things, they're, they're doing it. Um, the respect that he has um, is, uh, is different than last year. Um, you know, he didn't start the year as uh, our starting quarterback. So I think there's just a different um, – he walks around the building a little bit different. Great confidence in him. Uh, but he knows the, the technical things that he needs to continue to work on. I think Tommy Reese has done a great job of laying those things out. They've worked on them. He'll continue to work on them. But I think what I see is just uh, a young man that is, is really confident in himself and uh, holding others accountable. And, you know, Rags, on top of that, Ian Book actually, it's probably been about five weeks ago, went down to Louisiana and worked as a counselor at the Manning camp. It's kind of a big deal, really, when you're talking about Archie Payton and Eli Manning. There's a star-studded crew there to work under. And so it gave Ian kind of a chance to not only teach, but also learn. And according to Brian Kelly, took a lot away from that. There were 32 quarterbacks that were invited to do it. And Ian Book said he sponged everything he could off the Mannings, and that's that's not a, not a bad idea, right? And so uh, he went down there, learned a few things there. That might be able to help his leadership also when he's, you know, because this camp is for high school kids. I guess I should have mentioned that off the top. It's for the elite quarterbacks in high school. So, like, again, it gave Ian Book a chance to teach and to learn. I think he took advantage of both. Be bold. That's really what I want to see from him. Like you said, to start off the talking about him, just uh, be brave and throw downfield. You, you got you got a you got a weapon in it with Claypool, sure. so uh, you might as well try to do it. Um, uh, and and I, and I think Rags, if you you know if you can do that and force the ball to Claypool a little bit, if nothing else, with his size six four two thirty five, whatever the heck it is. With his size, he certainly can become a valuable defensive back if that ball's underthrown or something like that. You know, it's it's going to be hard to beat Claypool to a ball if you're a cornerback. And then I think what it does when you're throwing downfield to Claypool is it opens it up for a Cole Komet, a Brock Wright, your tight ends underneath, or of course a Chris Fink. And we'll have to wait and see exactly what they decide to do out on the other side. Uh, but certainly, I just think even forcing the ball downfield will give you a lot more options, even if you if, even if you throw a couple incompletions or, or God forbid, an interception. All right, uh, Todd. Before we get out of here today, we've talked about it in a number of our uh, podcasts prior to this one about how pitiful this schedule is at home this year for Notre Dame. Uh, it's just uh, so much so. I. I think there's only one primetime game at home uh, and there's a reason for that because when your best home game is USC in October and you look around I mean uh, this is I mean it's a good thing I guess if they want to pad some wins but at the same time you know look they were undefeated last year and got trounced they don't have too many people on this schedule there people are going to raise their eyebrows and say hey that's a great win and that scares me a little bit because this is two times they've had a chance to win it all and the criticism's been your schedule stinks, and then they get trounced by real competition. 
Yeah, hard to argue with you there. I suppose if there's one saving grace, it's that the the very challenging games are all road games. Um, let me give you a quick synopsis here. The, but the home schedule, let's start with that. It really is bad. And I know you make these out years in advance, so you can't really point the finger at anybody and say, boy, you're scheduling soft because that's not fair. Um, but the home, l- listen to this, Rags. Let's see. Of the seven home games, okay, only, uh, what was it, well, let's see. New Mexico three and nine. Virginia had eight wins. They went eight and five. Bowling Green three and nine. USC five and seven. Virginia Tech six and seven. Navy three and ten. Mm. And Boston College seven and five. You only have two winning teams on that schedule, um, and only two teams that won more than yeah, that won more than six games. Combine the home slate rags thirty five and fifty two. That's an average of five and seven. Um, you mentioned USC is the lone primetime game. They went 5-7 and seven last year. They yeah. struggled big time. Um, so when you look at this, and the two premier teams from last year, if you're looking at last year, are Virginia, which went 8-5, and five, and BC, which went 7-5. and five. That tells you something about your home schedule. Now, if they can pull this off, so there's no reason to think that Notre Dame can't go 7-0 and oh, uh, in these games. And let's see, what would that be? It would be two years in a row that Notre Dame went undefeated at home. And it'd be the third time in the last five years. And Notre Dame actually went a long time without pulling that off, going undefeated at home. So Brian Kelly's starting to get a home field advantage. Of course, when you have a schedule like this, uh, who wouldn't? But see, now here it is. We'll flip it here and look at the road schedule. This is this is much more daunting. Okay, Louisville, it's- whatever. The, that That's a throwaway. Louisville's a throwaway. Um, nine straight losses, 2-10 and ten last year. Of course, then you have Georgia. Uh, come on, we all know Georgia, 11-3 and three last year. Mm-hmm. At Michigan, ten and three. At Duke, which is becoming a dangerous opponent for anybody, they were eight and five. And Stanford, nine and four. So now your combined road team records are forty and twenty-five. And if you throw Louisville out of there, it's thirty-eight and fifteen. And just to take it one step further, Rags, if you throw Louisville out there and you say Georgia, Michigan, Duke, and Stanford, they went twenty-one and five at home last year. So while I agree with you that perhaps there'll be some uh, some people raising their eyebrows if Notre Dame goes undefeated. If you can win at Georgia, at Michigan, at Duke, and at Stanford, that's a pretty solid resume, in my opinion. Yeah, and it, actually, go ahead. Russ, I was going to say it's it is formidable. I mean, not just any road uh, advantage, but you're talking about some of the biggest road advantages, uh, home advantages of in, in in all of college football, especially with the big house in Georgia. This sure. is this is not you know on the road at Virginia Tech when they're good. No, th- this is a solid and huge. Maybe the some of the biggest fan bases in all the country. Yeah, Michigan's won four straight at home against Notre Dame and seven of eight. So that's certainly not going to be an easy task. Um, and actually, Brian Kelly, we asked him about the schedule, and not surprisingly, he kind of t- dismissed the home portion and went right to the road segment of it. It seems every year that there are those challenges on our schedule uh, that make it unique as an independent. We're, we're always um, you know, going to have that kind of schedule. One of our themes this year for our football team is that we have to be road warriors. Uh, we have to have that mindset of going on the road um, to Michigan, um, you know, we've got to go to Athens and, and play at Georgia. We've got to go to Stanford, which, uh, you know, we haven't won at Stanford. You know, so you know, there are a number of challenges. You know, we've never played at Duke. You know, we've got to go down there uh, and, and 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 play them. Um, so, a number of challenges on our schedule. Uh, ones that uh, our guys recognize. They know um, who they're playing. Uh, and the challenges that are in front of us, but that's 
Again, I've said this a million times. That's what they sign up for. That's why they come to Notre Dame because they they really um, they relish those challenges. And again, Rags, when you're looking at the home schedule here, you can't really blame Notre Dame because who in a million years would have thought USC at five and seven, Virginia Tech at six and seven, and Navy at three and ten last year? Who would have thought that those three teams would all be sub five hundred teams? coming into this season. I mean, you just couldn't have. You would have thought all three of those would be formidable opponents, and maybe they will be. Maybe all all three of those teams will rebound, uh, but at least on paper, when you look at it last year compared to this year, it certainly doesn't look like a real difficult task to go undefeated at home. Well, it should be uh, certainly here any minute, Todd. That is for sure. Uh, the, the summer's flying by, and we'll be out there on campus before you know it. Well, you did a great job, as always. Todd, we'll do this again next week. Don't forget to rate, review us, and share us with all your friends. Todd, have a great week, my friend. Thanks for having you too, buddy. This has been a presentation of Opt-In Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.